Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night, monsters lurking under your bed or deep in the forest, that unknown creature lurking just out of sight, and frighteningly imagined creatures, ghosts, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, I had a rather interesting weekend. And I'm hoping you guys will like where I go with today's show. So let's start with this. From time to time, life will surprise you with one of those mind-blowing, amazing facts that it will totally rock your worldview down to its very core. Now, this was my weekend, but no spoilers. No, 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 no spoilers. You'll have to hang out and listen as the story unfolds. All right, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation is yours, as always, my darlings. So choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say sniper? That will be a single shot. And every time I say female, that will be a double shot. I know you guys are scratching your heads. That's a good thing. All right. Now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma and prepare yourself for tales of female snipers and the mysterious all femme fatale sniper squad from World War II. I told you, strange weekend. So, as I said, it was a very strange revelation for me. Now, you guys know that I'm a kid of the 80s and the 90s. I grew up with the openness of any topic in my family. So, of course, I was very drawn to the very frankness of one Dr. Ruth. You know you guys remember her. Don't play like you don't. That sweet grandmotherly lady that talked openly and frankly about sex. Much of the world will know Dr. Ruth as that short little old lady who talks pretty explicitly. And many were captivated by her wisdom, while others were just dumbfounded at what looked like their grandmother talking about a whole lot of sex. (laughs) Whatever you might have thought about Dr. Ruth, it's likely you never sat back and wondered if she was an Israeli-trained sniper who fought for the creation of the Jewish state. Yeah, like I said, mind blown. (laughs) Just don't say that within a thousand yards of her because, well, I hate to rock your worldview, but that is exactly who she is. Dr. Ruth, sex therapist extraordinaire and Israeli sniper. 
yeah, I know. It sort of blew my mind too, but here's where we are. So stay with me, darling. Stay with me. So who is Dr. Ruth, you might say? Well, she was actually born Carola Ruth Seigel, who had the horrible misfortune of watching her father taken away by the Nazis in 1930s Germany. Well, that would not be an uncommon experience for young Jewish children of that era. Ruth was very fortunate to be sent to a Swiss boarding school in 1939 by her mother and grandmother. Unfortunately, Ruth would never see a member of her family again. As the war raged around her in Europe, Ruth was to be raised in this boarding school from the age of 11 on. While she remained in contact with her family through letters, though ceased in 1941, as her parents became another tragic casualty of the Holocaust. She never knew for certain what happened to her parents, but as the world became shockingly aware of the Nazi atrocities, it became quite apparent they did not survive Hitler's Germany. Meanwhile, at the boarding school, Ruth was beginning to show a zeal for independence, much to the annoyance of school leadership. An avid reader, it was reported that from an early age that she was unafraid and unashamed to tackle taboo conversations. When the war ended, Ruth found herself a 17-year-old Jewish girl with no family in the middle of war-torn Europe. As a result, she emigrated to Palestine, as did many Holocaust survivors and their families. And as tragic as her childhood had been, her story is about to take a fascinating turn. Shortly after arriving in Palestine, Dr. Ruth became captivated by the idea of establishing a Jewish homeland and joined the Haganah, which was an underground militant organization fighting for the establishment of a Jewish state. Ruth would not chalk this up to spectacular bravery, as she reports everyone was part of one organization or another attempting to establish a homeland. The Haganah was a fierce fighting group that would later go on to become the core of the Israeli Defense Force. While training, it was determined that due to Ruth's short 4 foot 7 stature, that's right, I said 4 foot 7, that she would make an excellent sniper as, well, she would be hard to see. And while that might seem like an absurd reasoning, it turns out that young Dr. Ruth, well, she was one hell of a shot. By her own admission, she was surprised at just how excellent a marksman that she was, and she couldn't attribute any reason why that was so. As fascinating as, fascinating as that might be, Dr. Ruth's military career was cut short on her 20th birthday when a bomb exploded at the barracks in which she was staying. Fortunate to survive, the bomb blast did blow off part of her foot, leading to months of painful recovery before she was able to walk again. And while Dr. Ruth admits she never had to utilize her sniping ability in combat, she played her role in the establishment of the Jewish state long before she would establish her preeminence as America's sex therapist. A fascinating life that would begin in one of the most horrific of world events. From this point forward, Dr. Ruth would go on to become the lovable, short, quirky sex therapist the world has come to know and love. After being injured in the barracks bombing, Ruth would recover and eventually wound up marrying an Israeli soldier before moving to Paris to study psychology. 
She eventually moved to America and after a couple of marriages settled down with Manfred Westheimer, whom she would remain married until his death in 1997. By the way, at this point, I'd like to note out, she's still alive, guys, and she's still kicking, and she is still providing the best sex therapy on the planet. But Dr. Ruth attributes her audacity and boldness to her experience growing up in Nazi Germany. She stated, and I quote, I am what you call bold because the one thing that I've learned coming out of Nazi Germany is that I have to stand up and be counted for what I believe. And that is how people are listening to me because they know it is not a put on, end quote. Her story is one of pain and perseverance that ought to inspire all to press forward despite the odds. It also warns you not to judge a book by their cover because the same lady who wasn't afraid to throw grenades at the enemy or operate a sniper rifle just might be that little old lady giving you sex advice. Which started me thinking, we always hear stories of the brave and gallant fighting men, but we very rarely hear the stories of the badass babes that were holding their own. Which brings me to today's story about a very mysterious femme fatale sniper squad. When that tiny Dr. Ruth might have been a very welcomed member of. Now, war and conflict seem to bring with them a plethora of tales and mysteries that often become sort of lost or distorted with time. Within the confusion and death, it can be hard to keep track of what sorts of enigmatic tales are the ramblings of minds under extreme duress and which are perhaps more embedded in reality, and those that might just be a complex mixture of the both. One extremely persistent tale in Russia, Russia of the battlefield is that of a highly trained and lethal band of female snipers said to be as beautiful as they are deadly. A skilled squad of vixens, if you will, which roam the rubble of war and bring death to all those who land within their scopes. It's almost like something out of some James Bond movie or an action film. But to those who were plagued by this elite cadre of deadly beauty, they were all too real, indeed. Starting amidst the Soviet war in Afghanistan, rumors became persistent of well-trained female snipers picking off hapless men and disappearing into the rugged terrain without a trace. During the fierce fighting during the Chechen campaign between 1994 to 1996, similar rumors continued as curious stories began to emerge from the battlefield. Russian soldiers told of being targeted by a mysterious cabal of female snipers, which was said to be comprised solely of stunningly attractive, blonde-haired, blue-eyed women described as being around six feet tall and dressed in form-fitting white outfits and white tights, a detail which led them to being known as the Bileye Korgotki, or literally, white stockings. Many of the reports went so far as to describe the snipers as going about their dark business fully decked out in glamorous makeup. This sinister unit of deadly beauties were said to prey on Russian troops, demonstrating extremely skilled marksmanship and typically only wounding grunts but killing officers or specialists with a brutal and disturbing shot to the groin. I know you guys just crossed your legs. Sorry about that, guys. 
It was also reported that troops would often actually receive taunting radio transmissions from the elusive assassins toying with them and warning that they were on their way, often emphasizing the fact that the officers would be shot in the groin for added terror. As the legend grew amongst the terrified men of these shadowy female snipers, their background became more fully fleshed out. They were said to have been hired by the rebels as mercenary contract killers, mostly from various Baltic states, but also from the Ukraine and Russia, and that their ranks had been hand-picked from biathlon teams and further trained in the art of stealthy death. It was said that these snipers were hired on a per-kill basis, in some accounts for around $2,000 per confirmed kill, and that their superiors had requested that they not only bring back the heads of their prey, but also that they specifically aim for the groin of officers. These stories spread throughout the ranks, and it got to the point where the white tights were one of the most feared forces on the battlefield during the fighting in Chechnya. Although a shadowy group of beautiful Amazonian goddesses stalking the battlefield to mercilessly shoot down soldiers for money seems like something out of a really bad spy movie, the tales were extremely pervasive among the Russian troops and continued on into further conflicts. During fighting in the late 1990s, the newspaper Sevadonia reported that not only were the white tights active in fighting with Chechen rebels in Dagestan, but that two had been killed and one had been captured. The report described how the captured female sniper had been attempting to make her escape in the North Caucasus by posing as a refugee holding a baby. According to the article, Russian soldiers became suspicion, suspicious of the woman when it became clear that the child was not hers, when she spoke to it in a non-motherly way, and that she was subsequently apprehended and put in detention, although it's not clear what then became of her. The article mentions no names and is generally quite vague, but it does state that the three attractive women were known to be biathlon competitors trained in marksmanship, reinforcing the notorious legend of the white tights. The tales of deadly all-female sniper squads persisted up up into the 2008 South Ossentia War, which was an armed conflict between Georgia, not the state, Russia, and the Russian-backed self-proclaimed republics of South Ossetia and Ab- Abkhazia. Yeah, say that ten times fast. During this six-day conflict, it was reported that female snipers were actively targeting Russian forces and were said to be hired by the Georgians. Again, not the state. At the time, a spokesman for the Latvian Ministry of Defense commented that, and I quote, We had thought that the ghost of the white tights had died in the Russian press, but now we see that it still roams Russia, end quote. All the way up to 2014, it seems that the Russians have been haunted by the white tights. It was reported that during the 2014 Ukrainian crisis during the siege of Slovanesk, pro-Russian forces were fired upon by snipers who could be heard to be women speaking in a Baltic language. The question of whether the white tights ever really existed or not has an answer largely dependent on who you ask. 
Many soldiers on the battlefield adamantly assert that the squad of sniper bombshells is very real, and indeed the chief spokesman of the Kremlin during the early phase of the Second Chechen War, Sergei Yatsrembaski, yeah, I know, I screwed up that name, publicly claimed to The Economist in 2000 that their existence had been confirmed by GRU military intelligence, who he further added, don't make mistakes. Yeah, because they do. Others have condemned the whole phenomena of a deadly team of fatal beauties as merely an urban legend. Alexander Tikhonov, the head of the Russian Biathlon Federation, claimed that the whole tale was absurdity and complete nonsense, and pointed out that the training undertaken by marksmen for biathlon training is very different from that of snipers. Which is true. Journalists covering the Chechen conflicts have also voiced suspicion, saying that no concrete evidence of the elusive white tights has ever turned up despite efforts to actively investigate the phenomena. One radio reporter by the name of Andrei Babitsky, who spent two years in Chechnya reporting from the front lines, said of the stories, and I quote, It's nonsense. I've never seen anything of the, co- of the kind, end quote. A military correspondent for the newspaper Nevis Maya Gazeta said that it was all a myth conjured up by sexually repressed soldiers in stressful conditions, saying, It's a sexual legend. It moves from war to war. Look, soldiers love to get together and talk about beautiful, tall women, blonde, long-legged. Yeah, they do. Others have said that the white tights are pure myth and military folklore, real only as a military campaign of misinformation and propaganda. Regardless of whether there are really or ever was a team of beautiful blonde women in tight white outfits terrorizing troops, the tales are at the very least most likely have their roots in some kernel of truth. The use of women as snipers is certainly nothing new, and the Russians were falling victim to such forces long before the fighting in Chechnya. As far back as the Russian Civil War of 1918 to 1920, female snipers from Latvia were engaging in combat, slaughtering Russian soldiers, and in the Soviet-Finnish War of 1939, they were deployed to great effect against the Russians by the Finnish military. Indeed, in many senses, women were seen as the ultimate assassins, as they were believed at the time to be superbly patient, calculating, and could more easily infiltrate enemy territory without arousing suspicion than their male counterparts. I'm thinking the guys out there are going, yeah, my girlfriend, my wife, my sister, my mom, yep, they're all deadly. I know. And you're right, we are. The efficiency and deadliness of female snipers was not lost on the Russians, and during World War II, in the face of a shortage of men after suffering catastrophic losses, they too began to train their own. The Russians would end up deploying around 2,000 female snipers into the cold expanses of the 1,000-mile-long Eastern Front, who made their way across the desolate landscape, picking off any targets that presented themselves and generally sowing chaos. The results were some of the most successful, heroic, and indeed terrifying snipers in military history. You go, girls. One 24-year-old sharpshooter by the name of Ludmila Mihailovana Pavlichinko found herself joining the war and racking up 309 confirmed kills of Axis soldiers, 36 of those other enemy snipers over a mere 14-month period. 
She was such an incredibly prolific dealer of death that she was subsequently put in charge of training other female snipers. Another sniper by the name of Tatiana Ignotvana Kostrina had 125 confirmed kills at the tender age of 19 and in 1943 found herself in command of an entire infantry battalion when most of the officers had been killed. There was even a 100-strong all-female company of snipers led by a Captain Nina Alexvenia Lobvoskanya, who were active in the Battle of Berlin. By the end of the war, Russian female snipers would make over 12,000 kills against enemy forces. While the success of sniper women during World War II is pretty damn impressive, these were still snipers dressed in the typical amoeba pattern sniper smocks commonly used at the time, were probably smeared with mud or dirt, and were certainly not all blonde supermodels with their hair impeccably done and dolled up in white tights and makeup. So, how did the white tights come to be? And are they a mere military urban legend, or is there something more to them? Boris Kagarlitsky, a researcher at the Russian Academy of Sciences Institute of Comparative Politics, believes that the myth of the white tights was conjured up from the desire to sow hate and fuel gender, racial, and ethnic prejudices. He said, and I quote, in a war, you need to form a hate image of the enemy, and the image of the Belia Kolgotki in the Chechen conflict serves very useful military propaganda purposes. Here, you have the merging of two powerful images of perceived evil. One is the image of the witch, a very powerful symbol in Russian culture. In this case, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed sniper with an almost fascist appearance. On the other hand, you have the stereotype of the evil, dark-skinned Muslim. This makes the perfect hate image to feed to the public. End quote. So, was the infamous female sniper squad a mere psychological tool of hate to throw into the already highly volatile tensions brewing in the region? Or is there perhaps something else at work here? Is there perhaps a human tendency to produce such stories in the face of death and war? A Russian professor of psychology named Vladimir N. Drushinin had some observations on the nature of man under these conditions, and he said, and I quote, Any war at any time has similar kinds of myths about some secret mighty weapon, some super secret detachments, super spies, in short, about something secret which would decide the outcome, end quote. So, was this killer core of lethal feminine beauty ever real? Or is this all a case of potent imagery and battlefield myth? Why is this mostly a phenomena encountered by Russian troops? Hmm. Is there some cultural background at work here? Considering the vast gulf between opinions on the matter of the white tights and the complicated mix of history, legend, perceptions, stereotypes, and fear that have come together in this case, it is uncertain of just how much weight to lend the stories in their literal sense. It seems that the effective historical use of female snipers lends some credence to the legends, but there are probably several factors at play in the phenomena. Regardless of the ultimate answers, it's apparent that the legend of the white tights is firmly entrenched in Russian military lore, 
and it is no doubt only a matter of time before the white tights prowl the battlefield once more. And with that, my darlings, we have come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need someone to talk to, drop me a line. I do reply to every single email. And on that note... That's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you got it. Don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. I may just have to hunt you down. That's right. I'm Natasha Badas. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.